AMSA partner, Becker Professional Education, provides exclusive pricing to AMSA members for USMLE review preparation. Save up to 25% off their live online and live review programs along with their guided learning resources and extensive question bank. Visit becker.com AMSA for more details. Med students get pretty serious about the resources they use to study. What goes into making some of these tools? Welcome to the AMSA AdLib podcast where we'll hear from med students and experts alike. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. In this episode, med student Sarah Smith spoke with the founders of Online Med Ed, Dr. Dustin Williams and Jamie Fitch, about the videos and other resources they put together to help medical students. Here's Sarah. All right, so welcome everyone. My name is Sarah Smith, and this is the American Medical Student Association podcast. Today, we will be talking to the founders of Online Med Ed. And for those of you who don't know, Online Med Ed is, as suggested by the name, an online medical education resource that hosts videos, clinical cases, a question bank, and more. Its goal is to feature content that is both easy to digest and important for actual medical practice. Online MedEd is one of the most popular self-learning tools currently available to medical students, and in fact, it'd be quite difficult to get through your third year without hearing about it. Um, so what we're going to do is just start with some brief introductions, and I'm wondering if you guys can tell me a little bit about your background, and we'll start with Dr. Dustin Williams. All right, so um, I got trained at uh, Tulane University. I went to Yale for undergrad, and then I did my medical school, internal medicine residency, and I'm currently faculty at Tulane University. I'm now at Baton Rouge General Internal Medicine Residency Program, where I'm one of the core faculty. And I do online med ed. I'm one of the founders and the lead educator. My name is Jamie, and I'm a clinical epidemiologist. I met Dustin at Tulane. We had a lot of mutual friends that were doing an MD, MPH program. And I've worked in the hospital, I've worked for the state, and I saw what Dustin was doing, trying to accomplish four years ago, and we decided to start a business around it to kind of grow it and reach more people. And so I'm the CEO and also co-founder of Online MedEd. Awesome. So how did the idea for Online MedEd even come about? Uh, So I actually um, developed this idea when I was in medical school. And, uh, you know, post-Katrina, uh, there was a, a lot of absenteeism, right? Like all, half of the labs closed, people lost their research. There just weren't the resources that were needed. And I was going through medical school and being like, dude, this is hard. <laughs> Med school sucks. And uh, you know, I, kept, um, I kept looking for a resource that sort of consolidated all the information together, and it wasn't there. And so I, I, you know, the, the, the moment that it hit me was in an OBGYN lecture in third year. The guy who was teaching us was so good. Like he, like he had board, whiteboard, and he had like pictures and diagrams and all this. It was awesome. He was a clinical endocrinology OBGYN, and the answer on the test was oral contraceptive pills. And he went through for two hours all of the details of each pill: estrogen, progestin, different time windows. And the answer was OCPs. And I was like, dude, this guy is so good. But he wasted my two hours. At the time, um, Yaz was on TV, right? And I was like, all right, I'm going to prescribe Yaz. And the, the lecture was called Contraception. I was like, great. I'm going to learn about all the new stuff. And this is like before IUDs became popular and the rings and all this stuff. But I was like, ah, this guy is going to teach me everything. 
And what I learned was, I'm going to prescribe Yaz because I don't know anything else about contraception. <laughs> and I was like, that's the moment where it was like, I can do this better. It turns out I could not do it better. I was uh, pretty, <laughs> I was pretty bad when I started, but I had this need to fill a void that was there. And I, I, I felt that medical school sucks. The people who teach aren't taught how to teach. And the people who really care to teach are sort of like shoved into the hospital ward or in research. And so I felt like there was this, this, this giant void where I wanted to like create this thing that I needed as a medical student. And then you know I started doing videos and um, you will not find those videos anywhere. I've literally burned the hard drives and I have uh, contacted Google and I said, please remove them from the cache. I was really bad, right? Like my, my girlfriend at the time actually fell asleep while she was filming the videos because they were so bad. And that was the thing, right? Like the, no one teaches people how to teach. After 8,000 hours in front of a camera and practicing, I got pretty good at it. But um, the idea came from this need for medical students to have the thing they need to learn at the level they need to learn it. And I basically built the thing that I wanted when I was in medical school. And I'll add to that, you know, as Dustin was going through these frustrations in school, as well as once he got to residency, uh, I was working in the hospital and I saw a lot of frustrations in my, you know, myself is really around efficiency. And so I was seeing a lot of doctors that were prescribing treatments IV that were now available via pill. And, you know, I was creating algorithms that would essentially flag this and put them in contact with the pharmacist and do some education. And so I was looking at it from a population vantage. Dustin was kind of boots on the ground and we saw what, saw what each other were kind of focused on and having problems with. And we realized that we really had the same mission. It was, you know, how can we make a little bit uh, a small improvement, I guess, to the, the whole system. And we realized uh, education was the best spot for us to do it. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you guys clearly make quite a strong team. Um, and online med ed does pride itself on making learning easier, faster, more reliable. And I have to say, as a student myself, um, I think it does. But how, how were you able to take something as big as internal medicine and make it easy to learn? I have to be honest that I, I pride uh, my skill and ability by my practice, right? I, I worked really hard at it. Those videos in the beginning, they, I mean, they were so bad. But uh, they're like factually incorrect, and I was like moving all around. And I watched those videos later, and I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I actually did this. This is like my potential. Um, what I did was I learned from my mentors. Um, Jeff Weiss is the program director of internal medicine at Tulane. He's the DIO. Uh, Chad Miller was the um, clerkship director, also went to Yale six years, they graduated six years ahead of me. And they, um, they mentored me, right? Like I, which I, I, I knew that I had this passion for teaching. Um, it was in the, you know, I created a bartending class at Yale, some crap that, you know, you poured water out of a bottle. And I uh, taught the EMT class when I was a paramedic. And I, I didn't know that I wanted to teach. But I, I, I felt it, like I, I did it. And I was always like would engage these things. And my, my talent, as Jamie says, is to simplify things. Um, people try to sign me up for Jeopardy, and that's a terrible idea. I actually don't know that much. I have, <laughs> I have these foundations and these, these, these rubrics that I go by that uh, help me get the answer most of the time. 
So I, that's sort of my talent, but I also had these great mentors who were amazing teachers who taught me. I um, took two classes uh, with Jeff Weiss, and then I had opportunity to practice my teaching skills with Chad Miller uh, during the second year um, clinical diagnosis course and the fourth year honors in medicine. So I got in front of students and I just did it. And um, yeah, really, uh, post-Katrina New Orleans was a great place to be to contribute. Um, yeah, there were some labs in histology that just didn't have a PhD. There were too many students and not enough PhDs. So um, I was part of the uh, the organization that was uh, that promoted student excellence and sort of the liaison to the faculty called the Owl Club. And we created these sessions where uh, we the Owl Club would promote students to be taught by students at their level, and people showed up. I had like 50 people in a classroom, and I was like, you know, I'm in the same year as you. <laughs> but uh, I, I guess like I, I, I found that I had this uh, this talent to consolidate information, and uh, with the help of great mentors, I practiced, and I was really bad at first, and then I got pretty good at it. And the more I did it, the better my practice of medicine was, and also the better my training for students and residents. And I'll add to that, you know, great teachers teach, or most teachers, sorry, teach what they want to teach. It's what they're passionate about, right? And we've seen time and time again in, in practice, Dustin sees it with his own residents. I saw it when I was in the hospital. Because teachers teach what they want to teach, students are missing the foundation so often. And so mm -hmm. really by, by looking at the core concepts and the core foundation that you need to have to then build on when you get to the experiential part of learning, it's really helped us kind of pare down the, the vision realizing that you can go to Google and look up any fact, right? And so it's mm. really, about, it's about understanding frameworks and, and how, how to build and how to learn and how to be, a, you know, a learner throughout the rest of your life. And I actually, like Jamie just said it, like um, to make it concrete, medical students need to learn the illness script, the way it is. It may not be the way it actually is, but it's the way you need to learn it. It's the classic presentation, the common presentation of common diseases. And if you know that, you know patterns and prevalence of disease at the medical student level, when you finally reach residency and you learn the truth all right. It turns out online med ed is not the end game, right? No kidding, right? We teach you at the level you need to learn it. Like you learn the way, learn what you need to learn the level you need to learn it. So you're a great doctor. And then you go to whatever specialty you are actually going to go into and you find out truth. And I really believe this. And this is one of Weiss's uh, primary objectives. Understanding is more important than truth. And that's sort of the principle that I have gone with all of my education. It is more important that a physician makes the right decision, whether that's on a virtual patient on the test or in real life, when you're not watching them, when you're not grading them. They don't even know that you were the one that taught them. You just make the right decision. That's what medical education is about. And if you teach people frameworks and algorithms and advanced organizers, you sort of, you, you learn at the level you need to learn it at. And eventually, as you progress, you realize, oh, there's more to this than that. Of course there is, right? It's this medical student level. 
if you go on to be a cardiologist, you're going to learn a lot more about coronary artery disease. But if you're going to be an obstetrician, you're going to learn a lot more about delivering a baby than you are going to be coronary artery disease. And so it's important that everyone learns enough about medical education that lets them be a good doctor no matter where they are. But no one taught medical students what they needed to learn. Everyone just says learn everything. Which is impossible. Like, like, we, we, like the exponential, what we've learned in medical, the world of medicine, just it, you can't know everything about everything. Instead, I'd rather teach you what you need to know at your level. So when you go on to the next level, you just progress exponentially higher in your ability rather than just catching up. Yeah, I actually couldn't agree more. And I think what you both were saying about um, the framework is so important because with all of the facts that we are bombarded with all the time, um, it is, as you said, just kind of impossible to know every little thing. However, if you have a framework and a technique that you can use to break something down, you can still get to the answer. And I think that's something that you guys do really well. Um, how do you guys go about choosing specific topics that you're going to do in, in the content for your videos? I use, uh, you know, various resources that uh, tell me that's what's on the exam. Uh, and <laughs> no, and in all honesty, what we do is actually we have peer reviewers, right? Um, we have people who are specialists in their field, and they, they say this is the topic that the med students need to know. And the sort of the, the process is um, our peer reviewers do truth, right? I ask um, Joe Julian, who's medpeds, and, and Anne, who's OBGYN, like, I say, basically, you know what? Um, just write down in a Word document what you think students need to know. And they do the thing that's like their attending level, right? It's like super detailed. And they, and they try to break it down to the student level. Um, and then I read it, right? And I'm like, okay, um, I think that this is what the students need to know. And this is sort of how I categorize it. And I break away the obscurity um, or the, the uncertainty. And then I head it back to them. And, they're like, and then I ask them, is this appropriate? Um, and so the, the, the content comes from, well, internal medicine comes from me, and I did it, and I, I uh, you know, took my boards in medicine. And then we have our peer reviewers who do their own specialty, who basically say, this is the thing you need to do. And they give me truth, and I convert it to understanding, and I make sure it's actually accurate by handing it back to them. And uh, at the end of the day, it's like, you know what, this is, this is the content you need to know. This is the, uh, at a medical student level, it's binary, right, wrong, yes, no. And so we have people who are experts in the field who build the content in the way that they know it in their expertise. And I sort of break it down into simplification for students. Really, really, it's, it's, it's we have a multi-faceted approach, right? So Dustin gets to talk to both residents and, and his clerkship kids at his hospital. And so he gets to ask them, hey, what, what kind of stuff are you seeing? Is, is the site working for you? And so he's getting direct feedback. And then, of course, you think about our, our user base. We're very lucky to have 100,000 users on the website, and they can reach us anytime. And they, they do. They often email us asking for, for a certain topic. And, you know, and we will usually do the research and see what the trend is uh, and if this is something that's becoming more and more popular. So, you know, we just brought on like gluten um, as a food allergy, really, really focused on that because it's really popular right now and it's starting to show up on the test. 
And then also we have a great relationship with schools. So we might go to a university and a chair, say the pediatric chair, looks at the content and says, hey, you don't have a certain lecture on say, well child. And so could you guys do one for us? This is something that we think is really important. We have a lot of outpatient medicine here and we can of course respond and, and do that. So the we're, we're also lucky the entire operations basically out of Dustin's house, or at least as far as the studio goes. So if Dustin is, if, if we get a request and Dustin has some time in, in the evening, he can just go up and write some things on the whiteboard and test it out. And, you know, within a couple of days or a week, we can get a video out there to the world. So, And we also actually have to like, um, people request things and I look and sometimes I'm like, hmm. What you want is a detailed lecture about uh, infectious disease for fellowship. And so we say no a lot of times. Like we, um, we basically turn people away from the, the topic they want. Eventually, we want to be able to fill all of the void, right? Medical education from pre-med to continuing medical education after fellowship. But at the same time, we want to make sure that the, the, the stuff we're giving medical students is the stuff they need, right? We don't want to just give people what they want. I think Jamie said this, right? Most teachers teach what they want to teach or teach what they're good at. And that's fine. They're PhDs or they're, they're, they're specialists. They, 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 and they love what they do and they want to tell people about it. Great. So that's that OBGYN reproductive endocrinologist. I, I, I don't need to know that level of detail. And no one in the room was going to be a reproduction OBGYN, right? It was like, it was too much. And, I think that teaching people at the level that they need to learn it is so much more important than teaching everything. And I think it's a huge change in, in the way medical education has gone. 30 years ago, you learned everything about everything because we knew everything about everything. But now we know so much more. It is impossible to learn everything about everything. It's just, we, have so, we know so many details it's not possible for anyone to remember it all. Unless you have a photographic memory, in which case you have Doctor Strange and creating like you know portals and little sift rings and going to fight evil demons from other dimensions. So, it, I'd rather students have the opportunity to learn what they need to learn at the level they need to learn it, so that they become efficient in their studying. So they get to practice what they've learned, not just catch up to where they're supposed to be, take a shelf and move on to the next thing. And if you learn it in a way that has a framework, an advanced organizer, an algorithm, or a mnemonic, you can come back to it later and re-engage it, right? Like it sticks in your brain better. So we promote understanding and retention. We promote efficiency and effectiveness. Uh, those are the key words that I say, like, hey, this is what we need in education. And so we do the medical education portion so that students can become great doctors, great people, more than just learn the knowledge. And so what have you guys learned about medical education in general since embarking on this project? You know, I'll start by saying it's disparate. There's a lot of things happening around the country. There's a lot of upheaval. A lot of schools are trying different types of curriculum. They're trying to merge the basic sciences with the clinical sciences. There's a lot of great things happening, but unfortunately the tests are still kind of stuck in the, in the old ways. And so we're seeing students kind of are the ones that are suffering because these programs are trying new things 
and they they're taking a long view on it. They're looking at it over 10 years, over, you know, 15, 20 years. Uh, but these classes that are happening right now are finding themselves falling behind and they're looking for resources. And, you know, this kind of, there's just a, a huge shift happening right now, right? And so the education is starting to go online, but like Dustin said, there's still this idea that you have to teach everything. And so students are now getting, instead of a textbook, they're getting the app, but that app has 20,000 flashcards. It's just the textbook cut up. And so there's a lot of things that aren't, aren't changing that we are trying to help with. And I'll add, I'll add in that, you know, um, people teach what they want to teach. They teach what they're good at. They teach the thing that they know, not the thing you need to learn. And um, I actually am really proud of the LCME and the ACGME. I'm like, I'm not a bureaucrat. I hate bureaucracy. I hate that we have, I have to do these evaluations every month, my residents and students. Like, I hate documentation. I hate that. I hate that we have to do all of this bureaucracy. But the LCME and the ACGME said, hey, you know what? A good doctor doesn't just know a bunch of stuff. They're good people. They communicate. They understand the system. They lead people. And they know a bunch of stuff. And up to this point, it's been, you know, a bunch of stuff, you're a good doctor. You could throw a scalpel in the, in the OR, and that was okay. Well, it ain't okay now, right? You can't throw a scalpel in the OR. Like, that's ridiculous. And you can't yell at a nurse for doing a bad job. Like, that's, like, that's just completely, like, that's not where we're going. So I, what I'd like to see is that um, the, the medical knowledge portion of medical education becomes more efficient and more effective at teaching students what they need to learn so they have more time to develop additional skills. Things like leadership, communication systems. Right? If you make medical knowledge more efficient, you learn what you need to learn as just a, a global physician, you have this foundation you can build on. And, and I believe this is true. Weiss taught me this and I, I push it forward. It's if you have an, a, an advanced organizer, you always come back to that organizer. And when someone says, chief complaint, shortness of breath, I see that it's a pyramid. And for me, it's like a website, like a mouse rolls over it and you know, CHF comes out and you know, there's like all the details of CHF and I can roll over ischemic and there's another, another drop menu. So in, in my head, in my brain, I see all of these things that have become now intuitive, but they took a long time to develop. So, I, and I, I wanna say this, I have to say this uh, up front, Medicine, no matter what you do, no matter what field you're in, it is experiential. Right? You cannot learn to take care of people without actually taking care of people. So we can't replace the clinical part, the actual doing. But we can make the time in between way more efficient so that the physician becomes this great leader, this great person, not just some dude who knows a bunch of stuff, but a, a gal who like runs the floor and has everyone doing things as she sees fit in order to get every, every patient what they need done. And medical education becomes like this small portion of this great physician. And, but, right, everyone knows you got to get a grade. The shelf exam matters. The step exam matters. And people, if you don't provide the minimum requirements, they drown. So I would rather people have the information they need uh, have an efficient and effective mechanism to study for the test. They feel comfortable with the material. They know they're going to do well on the exam. And all of a sudden, they get to turn the lights on, get a garage, get a car, 
metaphorically speaking, which is they get to explore their patient. Right? They already know that person who has coronary artery disease needs aspen statin, beta blocker ACE inhibitor, and probably gets a stress test. But then they can actually read about the differential for chest pain. They can read about three different things that you know, they can cause. You know, they can do whatever they want to do because they have a sufficiency. And so becoming a great physician is no longer knowing a bunch of stuff. It's no longer regurgitating a bunch of information, which I think the NBME and the USMLA does a good job of assessing clinical reasoning, but it still assesses facts and it doesn't give room for being a great person or a great leader. And so the future of medical education comes from shifting attention away from knowledge that is making it efficient and effective at their level and allowing the student to become a great person. I think that's such a great point, um, especially about giving students the opportunity to actually spend time with their clinical skills and their communication skills, because I do think it's something that um, begins to get a little bit neglected, especially with the increasing pressures um, regarding board exams and shops, as you mentioned. Um, so I can see, I can see how that would be so beneficial to have a little bit more room to do those things. Um, and, and kind of on that note, how do you think that creating this material has influenced your own clinical practice? I mean, I actually created all these things because I needed them, right? I created the, the content that I needed as a student. I actually created after I was a student, but I wished I had it as a student. And then I was a, a resident and I wish I had more content, so I created the intern content. And then I uh, you know, was a faculty member and I created, we were built developing tools to make my life easier. So actually, as I've done this, um, I've actually basically translated what I do and how I practice um, into this um, media that's available on the website. And um, I, this is a little um, you know, in, insider information here. I, I really don't like being recognized. Like, like it makes me uncomfortable when people are like, oh, you're Dr. Williams, oh my God, it's getting near me. I've learned to like adapt to him. Like, yeah, interview a photo, great. But um, my value is actually in contribution to the greater system. And being online means that I can distribute it to infinite number of people as long as they have the internet. And I built the things that I wanted that I didn't have. And so as I've done this, I've actually curated my own medical process. So if you watch the intern content, that's like when an intern or resident is presenting a case to me, I actually have that advanced organizer in my head because I've done it so many times that I'm actually going through the organizer while they're presenting. And so when they t start talking about the number of uh, Coca-Cola cans they drink per day and they're here for you know, a pneumonia, I'm like, I'm like, what? why are you telling me about Coca-Cola? It's, it's, it's weird. Like it's, uh, what, what? So um, it's actually made my life better. Um, as I, uh, about, you know, I mean, I don't do pediatrics or OB, so, you know, I, I've, I've had to learn that stuff from our peer reviewers, and um, it's been challenging to teach stuff that I don't actually use. But as I've done it, I've, I've actually curated my own ability, right? I got better at what I did because I was doing this virtual repetition, right? Like I saw a patient or I didn't see a patient, but I was still going through the mechanism, so, um, you know, and most people consider that I'm a pretty good doctor, right? Uh, most of the, the nurses joke that I'm house without the crippled leg and the you know, opiate addiction. So, I, uh, I, you know, the thing that I love to do is solve the puzzle, um, figure out what people can't figure out. And I can do that because I've actually 
practiced, right? Like I've come up with these methods, these mechanisms. And as I've gone through practice, I've realized, hey, it's actually more complicated than the intern guide says. No kidding. That's why there's three years of fellowship, right? And so sometimes I don't know the answer. I don't know what to do. But because I have these processes and because I have these uh, methods, I retain the knowledge. I go through them every time, and I'm able to assess a resident's ability to understand what's going on. I'm able to make the right decision. I'm able to figure out the diagnosis. And I use them over and over and over again, so that will become intuitive and natural for me. Um, you know, by the, the third sentence of an intern's presentation, I know what's going on. Like, I know the answer. Like, I, I smell it. I'm like, am I? Or, Oop. And I'm almost always right. I just feel it. And having done so much medicine, having come up with so many answers, going through those processes, they become natural. And it's actually what I, I try to do with my residents at um, Veterans General. I say, you know, um, it's really easy to fill out the form, right? You just look up what someone else put in there the last time they were here. But the, the challenge is getting the right answer. And you may be given a patient with a little, little sliver on their, their, their x-ray and they call it pneumonia, but you walk in the room, it smells awful, and there's a hole in their foot. That's an easy one. Um, but um, one of my favorite stories to tell was when I was still a resident and I was in the ICU, and I, there was this patient who went into another hospital, I'm not going to name it, um, three days in, three days out, three days in, three days out, three days in, three days out, four admissions. And every time he was admitted for heart failure. And he got diuresis, and then he came back three days later because his acute kidney injury, because he overdiuresed, if they gave him fluids. And they came back three days later for, for exacerbation of CHF because he got fluids, he got diuresis. And the BNP was like 22, and the echo was normal like twice. But the guy got so much education on heart failure, he knew exactly what to say to describe the symptoms. And, I, and then he finally came to Tulane, and I like laid him flat. Oh, you know, he got better. Heart failure. And so I, I made the diagnosis of pulmonary embolism. And what, what I recognized was the way I do what I do, uh, I actually teach the way I process information. I try to, to train the residents and students to do things in a way that actually helps people. It helps you make the diagnosis, helps you do a treatment, helps you assess whether or not you're right or wrong. And this is a long-winded answer to your question, but basically, by doing online med ed, I became exceptional at knowing the illness scripts, at knowing patterns and prevalence. I finished my board exams in three hours, supposed to be nine. Right? I, just, I took step three in August of my intern year. I, I developed the ability and skill to practice medicine and also teach it. And uh, last question here for you both, but um, where do you see online med ed going in the future? As Dustin kind of got to a little bit earlier, medical knowledge is just a really small piece of the puzzle, right? To really be a great doctor, there's six different core competencies. And we're trying to create a foundation that's available for everybody that, you know, everyone, everyone should have access to in the, in the entire world for free that they can then use and build off and use as a springboard to get to the next level. And so where we're really interested in going is into some of the other stuff. So you're talking about uh, people management, time management, managing yourself, uh, a lot of stuff around leadership and communication that really hasn't been explored to date. We think that there should be a library that everybody can access. And, and the grand vision, right, is pre-med to continuing medical education, 
right? You walk in as a college student and we teach you what you need to learn, at the level you need to learn it. And you just walk through and you always use online meta. And by the time you reach the attending level, we have continuing medical education, we have the most recent updates, that, and you go from understanding to truth. And the higher you get, the more truth there is, the more ambiguity there is. And the ultimate vision is to have this longitudinal platform that you can just walk into and stay, and you learn everything you need to learn at the level you need to learn it at the point in your training. And medical education becomes the small piece, it's really easy, and then we build great people. I mean, you can't teach leadership and emotional connection and uh, by a lecture, but you can at least introduce it. And then the, the grand vision is medical schools can use online meta to teach the medical education piece. And the rest of the time, since there's so much more, since we're so effective, so efficient, can be spent on making great people. And great people will make great doctors. Well, I think I can uh, speak for my colleagues as well when I say that we very much look forward to that content. And um, thank you both so much for talking to me today and um, doing the American Medical Student Association podcast. And um, yeah, we look forward to checking out all the new stuff coming. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. Pleasure being here. AMSA AdLib is brought to you by the American Medical Student Association. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. This episode was produced by Pete Thompson, Sarah Smith, and myself, with special thanks to Robin Ulep. Joshua Caulfield is the show's executive producer, and Dr. Joey Johnson is AMSA's national president. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you for listening. This episode of AMSA AdLib is brought to you by the generous support of Becker Professional Education. AMSA conferences bring together physicians in training to explore current issues in medicine, build clinical skills, and connect with peers and expert facilitators. Join us for our fall conferences this October 21st through 22nd in beautiful Grenada, West Indies, and in the Windy City, Chicago, October 28th through 29th. Visit amsaconferences.org for more information and to register. <laughs>